Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. This is Robert Rogers from Olympia, Washington with Parkinson's Recovery. And you have just joined my very special and timely radio program, which is uh, focused on the uh, recent and uh, quite alarming news about swine flu. We've uh, had a good friend who was planning to take a, a trip to Mexico. Uh, she has family who lives down there and was taking her entire family uh, to see them. The trip was canceled, and uh, that's because apparently there are all sorts of border restrictions of travel between the United States and Mexico. So the swine flu, as you've probably heard in the news, is um, creating some havoc in uh, the uh, country of Mexico. Now, what I want to do is talk about swine flu in particular. I want to talk about pathogens, viruses, bacteria, and their implications for Parkinson's. But first, uh, I want to signal the real issue that I see with the connection between what's happening today in the news and what may be happening to your symptoms. The issue I believe for Parkinson's with regard to the swine flu is that it activates fear. And when we're fearful, what happens is the symptoms escalate. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but when you hear this alarming news that the swine flu is beginning to intrude into the uh, inner core of the United States and Canada and other countries in uh, Europe and Asia, uh, you may find your body clenching up. You may find that your symptoms uh, get, uh, get worse. Um, that's really uh, evidence of the fact that when we are in fear, symptoms will exacerbate. They get worse. And many of you have reported to me in conversations and in work that you've noticed a direct connection. When you feel safe, there are essentially no symptoms or, or very few symptoms, but when any ounce of fear gets activated, uh, the symptoms get much worse. So let me normalize the threat for you. The question is, what really is the real threat of the swine flu? If we look at the news, if we look at the recent events, it sounds like, oh, no, are we about to see the flu epidemic of 1918? Well, again, let me normalize this for you. The truth is that the flu epidemic of 1918 was actually not due to the flu. It was due to a strep infection that simply got out of control, infected a mass number of people who, because they were not, their immune systems were not intact, uh, died. Let me give you another reference point. I don't know if you remember this, but back several years ago, there was the threat of a flu called the bird flu. Do you remember that? Well, President Bush said that the bird flu would kill 2 million people. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I do. Well, I just want to point out that did not happen. There was no death of 2 million people as a result of the bird flu. Now, I don't want to minimize the fact that uh, this is a serious threat for some people, but the threat is primarily for people whose immune systems are not healthy. So clearly, one of the ways to approach what's happening today 
is to simply treat this as an opportunity to strengthen our immune systems so that we are able to address whatever threat might be posed to us as we go through our, our daily routine of living moment to moment. Now, there is another issue that I want to raise, and that issue is many people may be particularly scared, frightened, upset, and are thinking, well, what can I do about that? What can I do to defend myself against the possibility that I might be exposed to the swine flu? And uh, the idea might be, I know what I can do. What I need to do is to get an immunization, a flu immunization. I want to give you a perspective on that as an option. Now, remember, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a researcher. I'm a, I'm a Ph.D. I am a doctor, but I'm not a medical doctor. So I want to be clear to encourage you not to take anything that I might say as medical advice. You want to make sure to uh, consult with your medical doctor about anything you might hear or anything I might say on this particular program. I want you to hear a brief segment of an interview that I did have with Dr. John Briggs, who is a naturopath doctor from Oregon, who has a perspective on uh, the consequences of immunizations for our overall health. And I'll, I'll just give you an alert. Uh, Dr. Briggs' perspective is that uh, we are uh, creating the potential of greater problems for ourselves when we get vaccinations than if we don't get vaccinations. So this may be a new perspective for you, uh, but let me now introduce to you uh, Dr. John Briggs and what he has to say about immunizations. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery, and I am currently with Dr. John Briggs who is a naturopath doctor who practices in the wonderful state of Oregon in Northwest United uh, States. And uh, so it's a pleasure for me to be able to be with you today and to talk with you about Parkinson's. Robert, thank you. It's a pleasure being here today. <clears throat> you know, in my practice, uh, I do see quite a bit of uh, varied diseases being a general practice doctor. I see uh, everything you can imagine. And Parkinson's is one of those things that I get in the office occasionally. And when I look at it, I have to look at the fact that it's not just one thing that we see. Because when I look at, at the human existence, we, we exist on, on three levels. Number one, we're a spirit being. We have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. We live inside this vehicle called a body. Obviously, we need to maintain the body correctly. And in so doing, we look at it has to have the correct kind of fuel. If you put the wrong kind of fuel in, you can't expect uh, good function. you got to make sure that you rest it. you got to have good water in the system. you got to get oxygen to the system, just like an automobile, so much the same. And if you fail on the maintenance, your vehicle is going to fail you. So when I, when I look at Parkinson's, i got to find out what failed and on what level. We look at the fact that, you know, we've got this thing, this vehicle called a body, but we look at the fact that how are we driving it is a very important thing, and that's the mind, will, and emotions are sort of like your feet on the pedals and your hands on the wheel. So obviously, <coughs> if in driving this thing you are not driving responsibly, then something's going to break. Where is it going to break? In the vehicle. 
this is where we start seeing issues. So uh, a lot of times I'll see people who are dealing with issues of emotional stress, burdens, uh, anger, frustration. All these will indeed have a biochemical effect on your body. When you're angry, there is a uh, biochemical change that goes on in your system. And you can usually feel how you feel after you get done. You feel poisoned. Well, by the same token, if, say, the scenario of, of the little mother whose car falls on a baby or whatever, and she gets out there and lifts the car off the baby, you know, this little 98-pound mom that does this, how do they do that? Well, that's what happens at that point in time is the uh, amazing adrenal response that's going to put the system into overdrive. Now, you can only do that for a short period of time. That's, that's like driving one of these souped-up roadsters that you got nitrous oxide in. And you can use the nitrous for a short period of time for a quick burst of speed, but if you use it for any length of time, what are you going to do? You're going to burn out the vehicle. You'll burn up the engine. Well, some people in where they're at, whether they're carrying excessive burdens or stresses, what we sometimes see is a situation where these chemistries stay at certain levels over extended periods of time, and it can start affecting what's going on physically with their body. Um, I was sharing with you a moment ago uh, a marvelous book that I enjoy here by uh, Philip and Henry W. Wright. It's called A More Excellent Way, Be in Health, and it, and it involves the spiritual roots of disease and pathways to wholeness. And uh, in this, Henry uh, is talking about some of what he has seen over a period of time because he's looked at, at a lot of these and before he ever makes a statement on something, he wants to see how often certain patterns show up. And he says, and this is, this is what he says under Parkinson's disease in his book. We have enough insight on this disease initially and spiritually to give me the faith to move ahead in actual ministry now. The only way we know that we're going to get this one is to get involved and start applying the principles that we see. Then if God will honor that insight, he'll give the healing. In New York State, there's a family of three generations with Parkinson's disease. Two brothers have already died, and in the three generations, they all have Parkinson's. I'm a member of the Parkinson's Foundation of America because I'm tapping into what they're doing. Current research is pointing at a deficiency of dopamine as the cause. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Mercury, Mercury, Mercury destroys, Mercury destroys, Mercury destroys nerve tissue. And so in vaccinations where we've seen that the mercury that they've used for um, a preservative for many of the immunizations has a it will damage wherever it lands and destroy it. Patients that I've dealt with that have had um, children that have died of SIDS, I've, I've routinely asked, did that child receive a vaccination prior to that time? And invariably, the child had been vaccinated within 10 days of dying of SIDS, which would tell me that where the mercury targeted was the respiratory centers of the brain. Well, when we look at immunizations, where are they mainly targeted? You ever think about that, Robert? Where are they targeted? Our young and our elderly. 
you know, got to get your flu vaccine. You got to get your your pneumonia vaccine. And what we find is that could there be a possibility that the preservatives in the immunizations have targeted for the substantia nigra of the brain, setting up some of what we're seeing as far as Parkinson's. So that's a potential right there that that could be something that we're looking at. So uh, when I look at things that pull heavy metals out of the body, you know, uh, had a great opportunity last week. Robert and I both had the privilege of speaking at an environmental toxicity uh, seminar down in Astoria, Oregon. And one of the presenters had shared uh, on zeolites and the fact that these zeolites are compounds that can bind irreversibly to heavy metals and carry them out of the body. And uh, I had, I'd, I'd been exposed to this before, but I'm stepping it up to high gear in my practice to use these in my practice uh, because I'm seeing more and more evidence of heavy metal damage in people. And, and the longer we live, the more we pick these things up. It's sort of like fish that we eat. Um, the smartest thing is not to eat the fish that dwell on the bottom. Um, living down on the Columbia River, there's uh, a lot of people go out and fish for sturgeon. Well, those sturgeon are bottom feeders in the Columbia River. And the amount of toxins that are being dumped into the Willamette and into the into the Columbia that eventually ends up where all these sturgeon are is going to accumulate in the fats of their bodies, which then if we eat that, we're taking those metals into ourselves as well. So the longer we live, the more of these metals we can accumulate. So this is why I'm looking at if I can reduce, at least in me, the number of heavy heavy metals that I've got, Hopefully, I can stay on top of this in dealing with my patients. I want I want to be clear of mind from now until the age of 120, if I'm going to still be practicing then. And that's the perspective of Dr. John Briggs, who's a naturopath doctor who practices in the state of Oregon uh, with some concerns about the, uh, uh, the potential danger of immunizations. And so the recommendation would be, uh, to consult with your medical doctor about any, uh, such choice. Uh, do your own research and investigation to see whether or not, uh, that recommendation makes sense to you. Now, what I want to say about the swine flu and, 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 uh, as a result of my research is, that um, I believe that the issue is really not about the threat of the flu itself. And it's similar in my own thinking to how I look at the issue with regard to Parkinson's. As many of you know, I believe that thinking that the issue with Parkinson's is primarily a dopamine deficiency is a very myopic, limited perspective that does not allow us to understand how the body can heal itself. I think a much broader uh, perspective is needed in order to be able to figure out how we can uh, see people actually recover over the long term from Parkinson's. And this is the very same perspective that I have on the swine flu. So the approach is to say, well, let's not look, my, let's not look myopically at this. Let's, let's not look inside a very narrow hole. Let's uh, move back and let's scan the horizon and see what's out there that might be the real culprit. 
And my suspicion was always that the real culprit may be something that you never expected would be a problem. So my discussion is, per se, here in the next few minutes, not actually going to be specifically about the virus itself called the swine flu. It's rather going to be about something that most of us have in our bodies that I think is the real danger, and it's something that we can all treat. And that, you're going to hold on to your seat here because you're going to be surprised about what I'm about to say. I believe the real response to the threat of the swine flu needs to be to move in the direction of removing candida from our bodies. Now, candida is a yeast overgrowth. What happens is that we uh, ingest yeast as a result of eating breads and, and other uh, products. Oftentimes, yeast is added to uh, products that are processed uh, that we purchase in grocery stores. Once ingested, the yeast spores make their way through our small intestines and move into our bloodstream. So what this means is the yeast circulates throughout our entire bodies. They actually then also infect our brains and every part of our body. The candida is really like wildfire in the body. And after doing some extensive research, I've drawn the conclusion that one of the reasons many people do not recover from very, very serious and threatening uh, conditions and illnesses is because uh, they are inundated with an infection of candida or, again, of yeast. Now, the real problem with candida is that it is resistant to most treatments. So you're probably thinking, well, wait a minute, yeast, big deal. Isn't a virus a bigger deal than yeast? Isn't a bacterial infection a bigger deal than yeast? How about pathogens? Those are little critters are bigger than yeast spores. Aren't pathogens a bigger threat than is candida? And what I want to say is, in one sense, yes, but in another sense, no. Candida eats away at your body. Candida actually causes a brain fog, which uh, is driven by malfunctions in our central nervous system. And it also causes a, uh, a restriction in the range of motion for our muscles. Now, in my view, this really sounds uh, quite a bit like the challenges that many people have with mobility who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. So uh, it leads me to be very curious about what this candida is really all about. Now, I'm now moving in to the uh, grand finale explanation of why you need to be concerned about candida in your uh, body. Uh, this is the big pizzazz. This is the bottom line of why candida is such a threat. Candida creates a safe harbor for any viruses and bacteria that may be present in our bodies. 
the candida literally encircles the viruses and the bacteria and the pathogens, and it protects them from any threats. And by that I mean attempts that we have to get rid of them. Now think about it. It's like it's this huge, powerful army in our bodies that uh, is clever, is smart, and creates these defense systems that protects everything that doesn't need to be in our bodies. Now, I'm going to make another statement, and again, I, I, I want to be very clear. I, I certainly don't have any uh, evidence that this is true, so you can consider this to be a, a theoretical hypothesis. But my intuition tends to be pretty good about these things. We know that a primary uh, cause for the death of individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's is pneumonia. It, it's not due to a fall or any other kind of a condition. It's actually due to uh, pneumonia. Now, there is a huge connection uh, in the research literature between candida and asthma. In other words, candida does create malfunctions in the uh, cellular structure of our respiratory system. So I've begun to think, wait a minute, this is leading me to believe that candida is actually interrupting the, uh, the uh, healthy function of respiratory systems in individuals who also happen to have uh, challenges with their central nervous systems and also have challenges with the restriction in the range of motion of their muscles. In other words, they can't walk quite as uh, effortlessly as others. Uh, so that leads me uh, to believe that uh, there is uh, a potential huge threat that candida poses for anybody, uh, regardless of whether or not they have the symptoms of Parkinson's or not. So I hope I've got your attention, because I certainly have my own attention. Uh, I got so serious about this as I began to think about it that uh, I have gone on a candida uh, uh, detox regimen, and it's done miracles for me. Uh, so I, I'm convinced that candida is a true threat. It's aggressive and it's smart. Um, candida, the uh, the little yeast spores, again, these are living entities. This is not just dead tissue that hangs around in the cells of our body. This is a this is a live creature that uh, that vibrates at a very, very low frequency. So it's certainly not anything that we need to have in our bodies. And uh, it basically hangs around because it's able to mutate depending on whatever threat might exist. The candida actually becomes just like the threat, and therefore it's uh, very, very difficult to actually destroy. It's the most aggressive living entity in the body. So I want to say that again. It's the most aggressive. It's more aggressive than viruses, than the swine flu, than the bird flu, than any pathogens that might be present in our bodies, and any bacterial infection. And as you know, there are many, many increasing infections out there in the world that are getting more and more resistant to uh, treatment. 99.9% of all cancer patients have severe candida which uh, is, a, is a, a serious obstacle uh, for their recovery. The uh, candida causes a, a neural misfiring and huge miscommunications uh, between the brain and uh, the, the brain's ability to send signals to the muscles uh, to function. Now, antibiotics 
which is uh, what some people crave uh, to take when uh, there's any kind of a threat of a virus or any, any foreign substance, actually make the candida grow. The antibiotics drive the candida deeper into our cell walls. And remember, we've all got viruses that are already existent in our body. So what that means is the viruses that are already existent there uh, get even more ingrained into our tissues. They're even more difficult to expel and to release from the tissues of our bodies. So candida is a, a nasty, nasty substance. And I want to say bread that is risen by yeast is uh, truly delicious for me to eat. I, I know nothing more delicious than, uh, than bread. So it's one of my favorite foods. But as it turns out, it comes with a nasty consequence, and that is that we ingest candida. Um, and just on a personal note, I want to say something that has been quite amazing to me. Uh, ever since I've been a, a teenager, I've had uh, a lot of uh, dark freckles on my arms. Uh, they've been they've really proliferated my arms, quite frankly, and I just got used to the fact that uh, that was just a part of who I was. I'm not sure they were there when I was a baby because I, I obviously wasn't that attentive at, at that age. Uh, but I know even as a teenager, um, I had these dark freckles that were on my hands, on my arms, um, and I just thought that was a part of how my body was made. Well, uh, after I've been on this candida diet now for just 10 days, and I'm going to be on it for uh, five to six weeks, uh, these dark spots are almost vanished. I mean, I have literally new arms now. It's hard to believe. I should have taken a picture before and after so that I could have put it up on the uh, Parkinson's blog. I, I, it's hard for me to believe. And uh, the only reason this uh, can be uh, explained uh, by is the fact that I've been on this candida diet. So many people believe that the candida, the yeast infections, really are just primarily an issue for the intestines. And that's not true. It's very clear to me that the candida exudes throughout every cell of our body and literally creates havoc in our bodies. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's probably strange to you why you, you're probably listening to this particular program because you were convinced what I would be talking about specifically is the swine flu. And here I just spent uh, 10 minutes talking about candida, something that you didn't expect you were going to hear about. But what I'm suggesting is that, the, uh, in my estimation, in my view, given my reading, my research, and my investigations, is that the swine flu is, is not the threat. There's nothing to be uh, afraid about with regard to what might be happening in your community with regard to uh, uh, people who are being exposed to the swine flu. The real, the real genuine threat is... Uh, individuals that also have a mass, massive infestation of candida in their bodies, uh, which makes it uh, particularly challenging for them to be, for their bodies to be able to heal from the threat of that candida infection. Now, what's the connection then uh, between candida and fear? Uh, well, fear, as all of you I know well know, causes uh, an overall vulnerability in the body that allows the candida to thrive. I mean, literally thrive in the body. So I believe that, that one of the, the healthiest responses that we can give 
to the current threat that's uh, screaming at us and then uh, the uh, the uh, television and the radio and the newspapers and uh, from our neighbors the threat of the swine flu the concern that it might affect uh, us our children and our families is to say well uh, first of all I recognize that the chances that this will have any impact on me are, are minuscule uh, but second, uh, let me take this as an opportunity uh, to be able to address something that I can do something about. You see, there is no specific treatment for the swine flu per se. There's nothing that uh, science has been able to figure out to do other than the p- potential immunizations. And as I just uh, suggested in the very first part of this session, the uh, challenge with immunizations is that um, the current technology tends to insert some heavy metals in those immunizations, which can cause other problems for people. So uh, life's uh, a trade-off, and uh, we make one choice, and sometimes we, uh, we, ha- we have to take other consequences. But I'm suggesting uh, in, in this particular radio program and in this particular presentation that we can take this particular uh, concern about the uh, being exposed to the swine flu and the spread of the swine flu as an opportunity to do something positive for ourselves and to address the uh, candida uh, that is most likely present in uh, everybody's body, since uh, I think uh, everybody I've ever known eats food and loves to eat uh, bread, and that's certainly been the case for me. Uh, So I did uh, extensive investigation, and I discovered that uh, one of the genuine obstacles to being able to address candida in our bodies is that the candida is so smart that it mutates and then therefore no matter what we're putting in our body uh, is not effective in being able to uh, to uh, kill the candida in our bodies. It's a smart little critter, I'm telling you. Uh, so uh, there is uh, something that was uh, uh, recommended uh, to, uh, to Deborah. Uh, which we both uh, have been using. Uh, Kim Sear uh, actually recommended this to us. Uh, it's a, uh, a supplement uh, that we've been taking uh, called ADP. Uh, apparently it's a pat- patented uh, substance, which is a form of oregano, which many of you know is often rec- uh, recommended as the treatment for uh, candida. As I understand it, though, the, uh, the problem is that the candida are so smart uh, that they can defend against uh, the effects of uh, oregano itself. So you have to do something else. And this particular product, apparently, this patented product, has uh, been able to figure out uh, a way so that they trick the candida into thinking that they are the candida, and then uh, the candida accept this substance, and then it goes in and takes it out. Uh, it's, it's a rather clever kind of a strategy. Um, but in combination with that, I'm also taking a, a probiotic, which helps the digestive system. And, I, and, and, and personally, I'm taking primal defense. Of course, there are a lot of choices of what you can take. And I'm also taking uh, something called carapilic acid, C-A-P-R-Y-L-I-C, acid, which is also for the intestinal health. Uh, because, um, as I understand it, or as, uh, as our, uh, our consultant in this matter, Kim Sear, explains, the, um, the ADP, um, which is the special dietary supplement with the emulsified oil of oregano, um, it does uh, wreak havoc on your digestive system, and so you want to make sure and uh, supplement that with uh, probiotics. Now, uh, clearly there must be other products out there that are effective. This just happens to be the product uh, that I've been using the last uh, couple of weeks. 
And uh, the reason this is so top uh, on the list for me, the reason I'm so excited about this is um, that uh, I've noticed a, a significant uh, shift uh, for myself, not only on how I look, not only on the, the dark spots uh, that have been on my arms and my hands for the for the for my entire life, but in my overall uh, energy level, it's been um, it's been actually a huge shift. Now, in in combination with this, one of the reasons why candida is uh, such a formidable challenge to get rid of is that uh, in combination with the uh, the treatment that I just described, I'm also um, on a very restrictive diet. So it takes a, I want to say a, a very large commitment to be able to engage in a, a an aggressive and a successful assault on the uh, candida infections in our bodies. The uh, the diets that are permissible uh, that do not promote uh, the spread of candida in our bodies are, are very restrictive. It's possible for us to eat uh, meat, beef, chicken, turkey, lamb, veal, pheasant, uh, we can have eggs, which is great. I love eggs, or any of the other kind of wild meats like um, duck or goose or quail or Cornish hen. Fish is fine, uh, salmon, uh, tuna, grouper, bass, uh, halibut. Um, but then a lot of the foods that um, I truly enjoy are no-nos. And again, this is, uh, this is not a lifetime kind of a thing, but during this uh, period of treatment, whatever treatment that you choose, it's also important to be able to couple the treatment with a very, uh, a very restrictive diet so that you're not feeding the yeast uh, spores, the candida, uh, and, and promoting their growth as you're also trying to get rid of them. So no bacon, no sausage, no ham, no hot dogs, no lunch meats, um, it's possible, of course, uh, to have uh, fresh vegetables, which needs to be the primary staple for anybody. Uh, so any of the fresh vegetables are good. Lettuce, parsley, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, asparagus, carrots, cauliflower, red potatoes, green pepper, turnips, spinach, which is uh, yummy. Any of the fresh vegetables are going to be a good idea uh, if you decide you want to pursue this uh, particular candida diet. And again, I, I normally, uh, without uh, some uh, extensive uh, research and investigation, would have uh, probably just um, eaten extra oregano. Uh, but as I understand it, that doesn't quite do the trick. You've got to do something extra. So if you're convinced that candida needs to be addressed, if you're convinced by my argument that this is an opportunity to uh, address uh, the threat of candida in your body, then um, you know, do some search and uh, find for yourself a particular treatment that you're convinced uh, will be successful for you. Uh, this, I'm just telling you the, uh, the particular treatment that I used. You do have to avoid fruits, and the reason is they have sugar. And, of course, as you probably already guessed, you can't have any sugar because sugar feeds the candida like wildfire. Again, the, 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 probably the way to think about uh, the effects of candida is to realize that it is literally like wildfire. Once it gets in your body, it spreads, and it's it's very very. It's probably the most difficult pathogen in the body to get rid of. Uh, and again, I'm 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 suggesting to you uh, to rank at the very top. The the real threat is candida, and it's already in our bodies. It's already present. The real threat is certainly not swine flu. Uh, I'm suggesting that the real uh, threat is uh, candida. Now, is the diet uh, simple to do? And the answer is uh, not at all. 
Uh, it's been very difficult for me to shift my eating patterns, although I've always uh, viewed myself as being a person who was a pretty judicious uh, individual who was relatively careful with what I ate. But uh, but to be serious about this means that you really do have to cut out eating all bread, obviously, because bread contains the yeast, and that's going to then uh, infect uh, my body with um, new new yeast spores, which is exactly what I do not need to have. So um, uh, this is a long way of, of suggesting uh, to you uh, that I want to invite you to consider as a response to uh, the concern uh, about swine flu to look in the direction of, of addressing candida uh, infections that may be in your body as a positive response rather than being in a response of fear because, again, the, the, the fear is not the place to be for the reasons that I've just explained. Now, that's one response uh, that you can give uh, to that particular threat. I now want to move to um, uh, air for you a snippet of an interview from a quite fascinating individual who has several other perspectives of approaches that you could give to the threat of this wine flu. Now, these are ideas outside the box, I want to say. And so um, open up your um, curiosity because what you're about to hear are some possibilities that, uh, that maybe you've never even considered or never even heard about. Now, who do the ideas come from? They come from a fascinating woman by the name of Cynthia Gilbertson. Cynthia Gilbertson is a social worker who was diagnosed with Parkinson's in April of 1988 at the age of 41. She currently resides in Brooklyn, New York, where she maintains a very, very active lifestyle working as a full-time social worker. And uh, Cynthia uh, uh, actually took a, a walk, a three-and-one-half-mile walk through the park uh, yesterday. And I interviewed her yesterday and want to uh, now um, play for you a, a segment of that interview that I think applies to the topic today, which has to do with pathogens and viruses and what we might do uh, to be able to address these kinds of things in our uh, body. Now, Cynthia has used complementary uh, medicines to treat her Parkinson's uh, since she was diagnosed in 88 and uh, succeeded in postponing uh, the use of sentiment for her first 15 years. Uh, she is a vibrant, fascinating woman who um, is also the author of a quite marvelous book called Sicily the Cell. So uh, this is a, a segment of the interview that I had with uh, Cynthia on I'm yesterday. with uh, Cynthia Gilbertson from Brooklyn, New York. How do you figure out uh, for yourself what therapies and approaches might help and which ones that you don't need to pursue. There's so many out there. There's so many possibilities. How do you figure out what to chase after? Well, that, that's tricky. That's very tricky. I, I have to say I use my nose like a, like a beagle hound to sort of um, sniff out what seems to be the most legitimate. Um, I, um, I had a background, so I... I know the difference between somebody who's claiming that some particular type of juice you know, will cure everything. Or I had one friend who was very, very well-meaning, but she kept telling me if I 
just chanted, I was, you know, uh, on the way to school. <laughs> Did she give you chants to use? Yes, it was a particular chant. It was a, from their Buddhist sect, and that was what I was supposed to chant. And she kept saying, give me examples of people who were cured. <laughs> Jesus, by chanting. You decided so, not to do that one, I guess, huh? No, well, no. I chanted with her just to, you know, do that in spirit. But, um... Uh, I, I, I do go to some of these hypnotherapy and has um she gave me a copy of a, a CD by Snapperstaff uh, on uh, Parkinson's um, on meditation, which is very helpful, I think. Um, there are no simple answers here when you're saying, how do I decide? I, I usually... Um, Check out the person, make sure they've been recommended by somebody, um, then find out if, you know, if they seem to be intelligent or with it or if they seem to be a nut job. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> and then I try, I tend to believe that what will, what I'm, what I need, it will be coming in my path, you know. If I have my eyes open, so I try to have my eyes open for the gifts that are being given to me and to take advantage of them and utilize them and not to turn my nose up at them. And when you mentioned uh, using your nose, uh, is, there, is there a smell associated that you smell with the opportunities that are good and a smell that yeah. you, or is it, uh, that's just a way of saying no. you're using your intuition? Yes, that's just a way of saying using my intuition. <laughs> I was, my follow-up question was going to be, well, what's the smell of the good ones? Yeah. <laughs> what's the smell well, of the when ones? I, when I was going from, from bioresonance treatments, when she, the one person was, Working on me, if I got a, a um, if it seemed to hit home and be really doing something effective, I did get a smell in my nose. It was like a burnt rubber kind of, burnt metal rubber kind of smell. That was interesting, but. And what did you interpret that to mean? I didn't know, but I just knew it seems like when she really got to the point where she was getting to something critical, it could help me. I smell that smell. That's interesting. Have you smelled yeah. that smell recently? No, I haven't. I haven't been to those treatments. I was. Um, they don't have um, polarity bioresonance treatment people in New York. Oh. I, I went to Mexico and I went to um, Toronto for those treatments. So, uh, can you say something about those? Were they helpful? Uh, yes, they were, but they're fairly complicated. They use a German. Technology with a uh, designed machine that um, uh, plays within the context of Chinese medicine. So they, the me the machine measures your meridians and the energy flowing within the meridians, and then um, the um, let's say they uh, they can also identify the energy patterns of, of substances. So with the machine, so. Supposing you, they were suspicious that you might have mercury poisoning um, in your system. So with Parkinson's, that's often the case. You may have some mercury exposure that only exacerbates the circumstances of the disease, so it's good to identify them and tackle them. So they, they would um, 
um, you'd get a little vial of the sample of the substance you wanted to test for. So you'd get a vial of this mercury, and there were two or three different forms of mercury, and then and put that that into the machine. The machine would be reading the energy pattern of the substance, and then they'd scan your body and see if they'd pick up any of that energy pattern. And then <clears throat> if they find it to eliminate it, you do the the antithesis of the energy pattern to cancel it out. So much as in an auditorium, you have waves of sound and then waves coming in um, are the exact opposite um, wavelength and pattern of of the that they can cancel end up canceling the sound and cancel itself out. So this is all done energetically then. Yes, it is. This is vibrational medicine. Did they uh, I, did they identify any particular heavy metal toxins in your body? Oh yes, they did. They they did. They definitely did. Um, and they they worked on them and they had success. But where they got stuck was in bioenergetic, bioenergetic the um, electromagnetic fields. Electromagnetic fields is um, couldn't quite break through that one. Maybe that's um, because you live in New York City. Maybe, but um, I think it's beyond that. I think we're we're all subjected to cell phones and cell phone towers and um, the uh, hair dryers and color TVs and um, the monitors on your computer screen and the um, the um, electric clocks that have that the uh, the dial that lights up, you know, that neon kind of light, light that comes from that dial. It's very full of electromagnetic fields also. It's just, there's so much that we're exposed to. Probably worse in New York, but... But for everybody. Yeah. Uh, is your sense, then, that exposure to electromagnetic fields that you're having is exacerbating the symptoms of Parkinson's? I, I believe so. I mean, I... I was told that that seemed to be a problem, and I noticed that when I, before I was taking medication, where I think I could get a clearer reading of what was impacting in what way, um, I would find that if I'd go into a shopping mall, which has those very high-pitched um, uh, security, um, like around the jewelry counters or whatever, they have these very high-pitched, sometimes I can hear them, but most other people don't, they're... Um, the vibrations that are um, you know, to protect the jewelry or, or to protect other things in the store. And uh, they, I'd be in the store for about 20 minutes and I'd start getting terrible symptoms, so I couldn't stay stay there. How interesting. Mm -hmm. But now uh, on some uh, medications here recently, you don't notice that sensitivity because uh, your guess is the medication is, uh, is covering mm -hmm. up for that. Mm, yes. I mean, so my symptoms are still cut through and in the medication I'll still feel the impact but it's not as obvious right right mm -hmm. what other um, modalities or approaches or therapies have you pursued over these last 22 years uh, that have uh, been useful no I've tried I've used homeopathy um, I found that to be helpful with um certain conditions um, I had uh, some infections that was helpful with that um, 
And you have to remember with Parkinson's, anything that weakens your overall system seems to exacerbate the symptoms. So if I have trouble walking, uh, if I have a very bad cold, it's going to make it even two or three times, four times, five times as difficult. Um, That's a very important point. Now, now, how did you uh, how did you approach uh, getting help with homeopathy? Did you go to a specialist or a doctor? Oh no, I went to a homeopath. I always go to the person who specializes in that particular um, that particular area because medical doctors, for example, get, have no classes in nutrition or require for them to. They may have changed it now for them to have one nutrition class. I'm not sure, but up until recently. They're not required to have any nutrition classes. Um, so certainly they're not going to know about homeopathy. They don't know about vitamin C or vitamin D. Right. The difference between synthetic vitamin E and regular vitamin E. What the impact of, of doing a study with synthetic vitamin E is as opposed to you know, natural vitamin E. Some people listening are, are going to be unfamiliar with homeopathy and how that works. So oh, okay. when, when you go to a person who mm-hmm. uh, does homeopathy, what mm-hmm. happens? What do they do? Well, they they um, analyze all your symptoms. They do a very detailed reading. Uh, suppose you go there that um, you're well, if you went for your Parkinson's, say. Uh, or they wouldn't just they wouldn't want to know about Parkinson's. They want to know about your symptoms. They'd want to know um, when do you shake, when do you shake more, when is the pattern of the shaking, um, uh, do you have um, other ticks in the body, where are they, how do they occur, and they want to know um, back a lot of details about your your physical comfort. Uh, are you more comfortable in a warm environment, cold environment, a humid environment, or a dry environment? Um, do you like to um, walk around? Do you like to sit? Do you like to uh, read? Do you like to watch? Um, you know, what what kind of um, just what kind of person are you, and what kind of symptoms? How does your body function in different circumstances? They ask a lot of detailed questions. They do a whole detailed write-up, and then and then they try to identify a substance which. When they, when they figure out what your main presenting symptom is that's bothering you that you'd like to eliminate, try to find a substance that would produce that same symptom in a healthy person. So if you had migraine headaches, they'd try to find a substance that would um, create the same type of headache in a healthy person if they took it. And um, they would be more specific about what type of headache is it. Um, does it come on quickly does it, and then increase in strength, or does it come on slowly? Um, do you get it on one side of the head, the other side of the head? And they try to narrow it down until they got exactly the right medicine for that. Um, medicine would be a small, tiny amount of the same substance causes that symptom in a healthy person. And um, they they then to take that substance, they dilute it. I don't know if it's a hundred or a thousand times, I don't remember, with water, and then they just take a drop of that and they dilute that again a hundred times. And um, by the time they have a 10x, which is a typical formula, 
really nothing left much of the substance that you're taking. So they're very good for people who are overly sensitive to medications. And what they do is they try to get the body to respond like a uh, like it does to a, uh, an injection for you know, a virus or something that you they give you a little bit of the what causes the symptoms and then your body is supposed to react by trying to fight it off by fighting off the, the symptoms. I'm losing, I'm losing it here. But. Well, well, it, it's, a, it's an eloquent explanation, and some people oh, listening I... to this explanation are going to probably think, but wait a minute, you're giving me the disease back that I've already got. Well, what mm. you're explaining is, no, that's not the way it works. It's actually the body's way to heal from that problem. That's right. Yeah, they have two things, less is more, and um, like cures like. Those are and that's uh, why. What was the other statement? Um, like cures like. Less is more and like cures like. The two principles of homeopathy in a nutshell. Right, that's right. And that's why Hahnemann, who was German, uh, discovered homeopathy. Also, you want to remember that homeopathy is recognized in Europe, all over Europe, as a, as a legitimate um, method of treatment. It's done in every drugstore and it's uh, incorporated into their medical system. So. Also in, in India, which through the influence of the British. Well, and also in the United States, in the early mm-hmm. part of uh, the 1900s, homeopathy mm-hmm. was actually much more prevalent than allopathic medicine. Oh, okay. uh, I didn't realize that. Uh, most people don't realize that, but it was I actually didn't uh, Thank you, Roger. it was very, uh, very prominent, and people were getting mm-hmm. a lot of relief from it. So, and of course, it's still present in this country, as you uh, testify now as well. Right. So are there other therapies? This is so fascinating that you've uh, experimented with or tried, perhaps even some that you tried and did not were not successful? Mm. I tried some acupuncturists who weren't helpful. Um, it didn't make the grade, and I, I also went, um, a, I went for psychotherapy to somebody who did body work in psychotherapy, and I think that's really quite helpful. Um, I think one has to really delve into the emotional patterns and issues that are underlying the disease also. I mean, that's important. That's critical. And uh, Because if, you, if you're not clear that you really want to be healthy, you're not really clear that, um, that that doesn't sound right. So people, people all think they want to be healthy, but there's sometimes underlying con- conflicts with um, that have occurred in one's life that you really need to look at and understand that you're maybe sabotaging your own health. Right. Um, Something we all do unconsciously from time yes, to time. Yes, exactly. That's not to blame anybody. I mean, we all do it. I mean, yep. I'm raising be- my hand right now, although you can't see me. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people people who smoke cigarettes and tell them if you smoke, continue smoking, you'll die, and they just continue. That's an extreme example, but um, I mean, we, we all know we shouldn't be, have diets with Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, they're a little hard to resist if somebody puts the right sunglasses. Uh, uh, I have this wonderful chocolate brownie mix that I use to make brownies when I have to go somewhere and bring a gift, a little potluck thing or whatever. Nobody can resist them. Oh, uh, isn't that? Even though they're right. everything in 
not supposed to eat. So. You've been listening to Cynthia Gilbertson, an interview that I did with her yesterday uh, in the afternoon, and that was a segment of that fascinating inter- uh, interview with her. She was diagnosed with Parkinson's in April of 88 at the age of 41, and as you can tell, she's a vivacious, vibrant, uh, energizing woman uh, who's very active uh, today. Uh, so her insights are truly revealing uh, and interesting in that everything she discusses in this segment of the interview relates to issues connected to uh, frequencies. And that's interesting for me because that's the direction of, uh, of research that, uh, that my investigations tend to be going in. Uh, we've discovered that uh, healing really is a function of being able to sustain uh, high-frequency thoughts. And when we do that, uh, any healing is possible. The body can always heal itself. Uh, So let me just give you an explanation of of, uh, why I got interested in candida and why I decided I needed to experiment with uh, treating candida for myself to see what would happen. And uh, I'll do that by simply giving you two statements. And the first uh, statement would be, look out, the swine flu is coming. And just feel uh, how that feels in your body and um, and literally uh, connect with the frequency of that statement, just the frequency of uh, of what it means when we hear that. And 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 we we go to this place often when we listen to the television, which tends to contain uh, many stories of horror and crime and uh, people doing horrible things to other people. Uh, those are very uh, low frequency thoughts. Um, and we can be inundated every day with just thinking those thoughts. The world's uh, going to end soon. Uh, people are going to get sick. Uh, my family's going to die. Uh, all of those thoughts are basically low-frequency thoughts. And again, those are not places uh, where anybody can heal anything. And then uh, uh, simply consider an alternative. Consider the alternative thought. Uh, I'm going to address uh, the possibility I have candida in my body by talking to my doctor about it. Now, doesn't that frequency feel a little bit higher? Or for some of you, some of you it may be there's an even higher frequency, and that is uh, I have decided uh, that I am going to treat my candida, and I'm going to talk uh, to a person uh, that I know is an expert in that. In other words, that's a positive approach. Uh, that's an energizing approach uh, that tells us, yes, uh, there's something that I can do about it. Uh, the first approach is an approach which suggests, well, I'm going to just have to sit back, lock myself in my house, and hope that nobody comes near who has the swine flu. And so we shut ourselves down, we shut our energies down, and our thoughts literally have uh, very, very low frequencies. Uh, and I want to stress that this argument is is not a frou-frou argument. I, I'm not uh, saying anything that physicists wouldn't say. Everything in the universe has a frequency. And, of course, the reason for my uh, passion uh, this last uh, couple of weeks uh, with regard to treating candida is that the candida itself, that living organism, is associated with an extremely low frequency. So when we have that particular substance, that living substance in our body that is protecting all the viruses and the bacteria and the pathogens, 
then we're basically uh, holding on to a relatively low frequency, which means that it's much more challenging and difficult to be able to heal anything. So I've decided that, that, uh, that it makes sense to address candida in my body. And I'm finding wonderful results from that. I'm getting more and more energy every day. I'm feeling more alive every day. Uh, don't get me wrong, I haven't been ill, I haven't been unhealthy, but uh, clearly there have been days when I have been dragging and not able to do all the things that I had hoped to be able to do. So this is shifting uh, my life, and I'm guessing that it, it would have a similar effect on others who happen to have this particular challenge. Again, uh, what we found in our research is that the presence of candida is associated with most chronic conditions. Uh, I don't have any direct evidence that candida is in any way problematic for people with the symptoms of Parkinson's. So don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not commenting on any specific research here that shows us that this is the case, and I'm certainly not making any uh, medical recommendations to anybody. But I'm suggesting that I'm going with a hunch, and that hunch is that the key to all healing is to be able to literally raise the frequency of our body so that we know it's possible for our body to heal itself. And uh, when we do that, that is what begins to happen. But if we have a living substance in our body that tends to drag us down uh, into lower and lower frequencies, then we're sustained in that place, and we're going to simply nurture the symptoms rather than be able to nurture ourselves back to health. So... Uh, we've really gone in our work here at the clinic in Olympia to uh, really working very seriously on helping ourselves and helping other people transform thought forms from uh, negative thought forms that do us no good whatsoever into positive thought forms that energize us and that make healing and health possible. Uh, and this work, I might add, has been uh, shifting me personally in dramatic ways. It's been shifting uh, Deborah dramatically in, uh, in, 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 in just incredible ways. And for the clients that we've worked with, it's also um, worked really wonders. Um, it's called quantum healing, and uh, it's a way of releasing those old negative low-frequency thoughts and uh, replacing or restoring new thoughts or new positive thoughts. So I'm now carrying around with me the higher frequencies uh, that, uh, that I wasn't carrying around before. I'm really uh, restoring my energy through my own thought processes. Now, through this work, what we've discovered is that I still have the thoughts. You know, I'll still uh, have a thought or a number of thoughts every day that are uh, negative, that are critical, that are judgmental, that are what we call uh, low-frequency thoughts that are not going to get me anywhere. But I, they don't stick with me like glue. Uh, I don't recycle them over and over throughout the day. I'm able to simply uh, now say, oh, there it is again, and let it go, and then um, recapture the positive energy and positive thoughts that I know are, are conducive to my health and wellness. And um, so there is a, a specific approach, a healing technique uh, that uh, we've adopted for ourselves and that we're helping uh, other people with as well that allows you to be able to dump all that old negative stuff that drags us down day after day after day. And that stuff just infiltrates our life. And, um, and it becomes uh, as if it's all real, it's all true, which, of course, is, is not true. And uh, we create a whole world of ourselves that uh, is negative, 
full of dire predictions and predictions that uh, that our health is going to get worse or that we're going to get sick. And again, this is consistent with what I'm suggesting about the swine flu. If we go into that uh, belief template uh, that, well, the swine flu is here, guess what, uh, we're probably going to be the victim. There you are. There's that negative thought form. And if you hold that, that's going to invite in low-frequency little critters like the candida and like the viruses, whether they're the swine flu or the bird flu or whatever name you want to give them, uh, that's going to invite those viruses to come in, hang around uh, your body, and, and be very comfortable because literally uh, you're vibrating. It's the best word I've got. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a physics word, but you're vibrating at a relatively low frequency, and that's where those hosts are going to be most comfortable. So how do you get rid of them? Well, I've, I've just explained my own uh, personal program that I decided to pursue. I, I think uh, uh, just the thoughts alone are not uh, going to be sufficient to be able to purge the candida from my body. I need some physical assistance with that. Um, but it is the case that uh, for overall healing, to be able to sustain positive and nurturing uh, thoughts are really what is conducive to long-term health. Uh, and so the work that I've been doing as well through Parkinson's recovery has been to uh, develop a whole web uh, site interface um, that is full of positive support, positive thoughts, meditations that uh, invite people to release uh, the negative thought forms and to uh, replace those with the positive thought forms and, and the knowledge and the belief that the body can heal itself. Uh, and uh, I've actually, because of uh, my, uh, my commitment uh, to this cause, um, I've, I've created the whole website, uh, and, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's had a membership uh, uh, fee here for the last a number of months of $50. I've cut that in half to $25 because I, I feel like it's, uh, it's too important. Uh, so it's, a, it's a $25 a month. But then what I've done um, uh, is basically to open this up at least uh, for the next several weeks to anybody who wants to pursue this as a, a possible approach for um, uh, figuring out how to get relief uh, from your symptoms and recover from Parkinson's, uh, you can get into the website uh, for free uh, for a month. It's basically zero. It doesn't cost you a cent. And so um, if that's something you want to pursue, uh, I invite you to investigate that. Uh, you, have to ha you have to be a person who uh, routinely checks in to uh, your email uh, every day or every other day since the uh, information on the website is renewed every day. And so the idea is it's a way of being able to get uh, support uh, for those positive thought forms that will be conducive uh, to transforming uh, your attitudes about your own recovery. Uh, so that's the uh, Parkinson's Recovery membership. You can get more information about that uh, at uh, parkinsonsrecovery.org. .org. The, the main website is parkinsonsrecovery.com, C-O-M. Uh, but the story about the membership uh, can be directly found, found if you just go to a Parkinson's Recovery, all one word, dot O-R-G, O-R-G. So the question is, uh, is this all hoopaloo or not? And again, as I've told you uh, many times previously, uh, I'm committed to be able to launch an aggressive uh, research program 
where we document uh, people before and we provide the support and resources that can transform their own thoughts about their uh, healing and uh, and show uh, the extent to which uh, symptoms are relieved over a period of uh, two or three years. I believe healing can happen now, and I think it happens when we transform our, our thought forms. So this is not a question of um, transforming the low frequencies to high frequencies and then having to wait three years until you begin to feel better. Uh, what I've seen in the work that I've just done with Candida over the last uh, two weeks is that as I rid uh, the, myself of those low frequencies uh, that were circulating throughout every cell of my body, and I'm able to sustain the higher frequencies, which you probably can feel just in the, in the discussion that I'm giving to you now, uh, that it makes a, a, a huge difference in my ability to sustain health and wellness. Um, so that uh, it's instant. Uh, I'm feeling better now. Uh, it wasn't a question of transforming my thought forms and having to wait two or three years. It's a question of being able to make it happen now, which certainly is reinforcing a uh, sense of committing to a detox pro- program for Candida is a, is a large undertaking, as I said. Uh, diet restrictions are required. It takes some investment of, um, of money to be able to purchase the uh, whatever uh, detox you might get. The uh, ADP that we purchased um, uh, did cost a few hundred dollars for both uh, Deborah and I. So, uh, you know, it, it cost uh, some resources. It cost some money to be able to do uh, these kinds of detox programs. But uh, but to rid myself of the plague, and I literally feel it like it's a plague, the plague of these uh, low-frequency thought forms that were sustained in my body, regardless of how, how hard I tried to fight against it, uh, is has been formidable. So it's encouraging to me, it's energizing to me, uh, to see the, uh, the 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 very quick transformation in just uh, getting rid of something as simple as yeast. Who would have ever thought uh, that this would have made a difference? Uh, so again, uh, just to summarize, uh, my whole argument, my presentation for you, I know is one that you didn't expect. The presentation pertains to the threat of swine flu, and what I'm suggesting is that's not the threat. The threat is the threat of candida. That's where it's really at for everyone, and that a positive action can be taken. We can do something about candida. Uh, there are therapies out there. I know I've tried one that's working uh, very successfully, and I know there are a number of others out there that you can find in consultation with your medical doctor. Um, it's something we can do something about and see literally immediate results. Uh, it's been 10 days for me now that I've been on this diet. Again, I'll be on it in another uh, three or four weeks. And, and also the, uh, the de- detox uh, medicines that I take three times a day. Uh, but I'm seeing quick results, a quick response. I'm feeling a great deal better each and every day in terms of my energy, my attitude. The clarity of my thinking is beginning to soar. I mean, I've always been a, a reasonably good thinker, but I've noticed recently I've begun to be a bit foggy and uh, fuzzy about certain things. I can't remember all the small details of uh, of what I uh, I discussed with the person on the phone three weeks ago. Uh, but that's coming back. Uh, the fact is that we don't have to lose our memories as we age. Uh, no one does. And one of the keys is to be able to cleanse ourselves of the uh, of the bacteria, the viruses, and the pathogens. And the question is, well, how do we do that? And again, as you know, there is no direct solution for attacking viruses. We just don't have any way of doing that. But guess what? Why is it that our body cannot naturally get rid of the pathogen since we know the body can heal itself? And the answer is, well, we love bread. We eat bread. Bread has yeast. Yeast is candida. Candida gets in our bodies, and candida winds up being the army that protects 
all of those nasty little viruses and bacteria and pathogens that are lingering and cycling throughout every cell of our body. So the bottom line is, by, by cleansing myself of all of the candida in my body, which is, again, everywhere. It's from the toes to the top of my head. It's in my brain. It's in my heart. It's in my liver. It's in my pancreas. By getting rid of the candida that's infused throughout my entire body, uh, I'm getting a clarity of thinking. Uh, depression is lifting. I'm getting new energy. Uh, I'm uh, getting a renewed sense of being able to live a very, very long life. So there's not a sense of that low-frequency feeling of, well, I'm just declining now. It's a, it's a real encouraging sense of, of the joy and happiness and opportunities that life actually affords. So the question really turns on, can the body heal itself? And for those of you that uh, have been with me and read my newsletters on a regular basis, which you can uh, subscribe to uh, for free, any of you who, who don't have those, I invite you please to do that uh, by simply giving your email on the ParkinsonsRecovery.com um, uh, website. Uh, but uh, the fact is, uh, the question is, can the body heal itself? And that's clearly my belief, since uh, you've all heard me say that over and over again. But this is the question that I also ask Dr. John Briggs. Uh, this is a man I met just three weeks ago at a, uh, a toxic uh, chemical uh, conference in Astoria, Oregon. We were both giving presentations there. And I interviewed uh, John uh, afterward. Uh, you heard a short uh, snippet from him a little bit earlier uh, about his concern about immunizations. And I asked him the question, can the body heal itself? You'll hear that again. And I want you just to hear his answer now. Is it possible for a person who has symptoms of Parkinson's to become symptom-free. I believe that with all my heart. I truly believe that with all my heart. The body knows how to heal itself. If you cut yourself, what, what happens? Do you have to try and think about making your body heal? It heals on its own. As long as your body has the nutrition that it needs to be able to function normally, then we really shouldn't have to worry about it healing itself. Normally, why we don't see healing is because we're lacking specific nutrition that the body needs for different tissues. Uh, the liver itself can heal. The fact is there's uh, something called carbamide, which is a urea compound, which actually can help the liver to rebuild itself. Now, if we can see that happen with the liver, what about the nervous system? You know, I was in an explosion uh, back in 1976 that gutted me. Um, I was rather severely wounded. I had my intestines in my hands. And so for the longest time, I had areas of my abdomen that were very numb and felt like rubber because there was no feeling there. But gradually, as time went by, the nerves regrew into those areas. So can nerves grow? Absolutely. Can nerves be healed? Absolutely. Can, does your body know how to heal itself? Absolutely. Just got to give it what it needs and remove what it doesn't need, and it can heal. That's Dr. John Briggs, a naturopath doctor who practices in uh, the western uh, Pacific uh, state of Oregon. So John obviously uh, believes that's the case. Uh, I believe that's the case, and I know many of you also believe that's the case. 
And all we really need to do is to provide the body the support that it needs uh, through obviously eating good, fresh food and uh, being attentive to the presence of any of these uh, nasty critters in our bodies that are creating uh, nasty challenges for us, nasty health challenges for us. Um, the interesting perspective that I give to you today that I don't think you would have heard anywhere else from anyone else in the world is consider, please just consider the possibility that candida may be the primary culprit that is mucking up your entire neural system. Now, it's a, it's a new idea, I admit it, and uh, I admit there's no specific research on this, but I also want to say, what's the big deal with going ahead and saying, okay, uh, there's a possibility this may be a problem. Ask your body the question through some kinesthetic uh, muscle testing. And if your body says yes, then um, talk with your naturopath. Talk with your medical doctor about a detox program for candida that you can do. Um, it's uh, something that uh, can be done safely uh, without any intrusive medications. Uh, there are natural substances that are possible. You heard Cynthia Gilbertson uh, from New York City, who's had Parkinson's for now 22 years, and uh, as I just mentioned earlier, has walked around the park three and a half miles just before uh, a few days before I talked to her yesterday indicate that uh, homeopathy uh, is a possible approach that you can use. Um, so there are uh, approaches. Uh, homeopathy is a possibility for uh, addressing the issue of uh, candida in, in, in your body. Um, there are naturopaths that have a number of alternative uh, uh, remedies that are possible. Uh, Dr. Briggs also mentions uh, zeolite uh, that was in a, a very short uh, segment of the, of, of the earlier clip. clip. That's a form of a, of a volcanic ash. Basically, that's all it is. It's volcanic clay, which uh, attaches to the heavy metals and the pathogens and uh, exudes those from our bodies. There are many approaches for being able to get these nasty substances out of our bodies. The, uh, the big reason to do it, I want to emphasize, I believe, is yes, it does cause neurological misfirings, but these <clears throat> particular substances also carry low frequencies. And again, if, if thought forms are something that are going to be uh, transformative for us, then if we're carrying those low-frequency critters and heavy metals in our bodies, then it's going to be hard to be able to transform ourselves and to sustain uh, high-frequency thought forms. We're going to always be dragged down into the muck, basically dragged down into the mud. And, um, and so how do we uh, pull ourselves out of that? Well, I think it then takes some aggressive action. And uh, again... Uh, this is positive. This is energizing. This is something you can do for yourself. It's active. You can feel this work in your body. You can, you can feel the success. Uh, if I'm right about candida, uh, my suspicion is if you begin to uh, engage these detox programs uh, and they are successful, then you'll see a relief uh, from symptoms. Uh, it's a core reason why uh, the neurological system is mucked up. Uh, so there are physical reasons to do it. There are also uh, energetic reasons in that you're, you're ridding yourself of those uh, low-frequency uh, uh, airwaves, so to speak, uh, that are creating problems. And again, uh, Cynthia Gilbertson, if you're, you're tuning in later, this is Parkinson's Recovery from um, um, Parkinson's, Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. Cynthia Gilbertson uh, talked about the effects of these uh, various frequencies on herself and how that's affecting her health even today. And I know many of you have uh, had very high, high sensitivities to uh, 
uh, all sorts of uh, magna, magnetic ele- electrical charges uh, in uh, electrical fields and computers. So many of you can't even be around computers for very long. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the effect of these frequencies on our physical health. So I think it makes all the difference in the world with uh, with with, with uh, uh, having uh, entities that have low frequencies that are circulating in our body uh, means that uh, we're going to continue to have negative thought forms. Uh, so get rid of them. Uh, figure out ways to do that. The warning that I want to give to you as a result of my research is candida is very, very difficult to get rid of. It's nasty. It's tricky. Uh, they, those yeast little pores are clever little critters. There's no smarter army in the world than the candida. Uh, it's a living entity, and it's there to survive. So uh, it's a true challenge to be able to figure out how to get rid of it. And again, what I want to say is I, for years, actually until just a few weeks ago, thought by eating more oregano I was going to be able to control my candida. Little did I know that the candida little critters are so smart, they're able to figure out how to undo uh, the effects of the oregano. So you've got to do more than just that. Uh, so it's an interesting uh, challenge. And I invite you to do some additional research, talk to some people, and figure out some detox uh, programs that you'd like to pursue. And consider that as a possibility. Again, I ask your body whether or not that's something that is what your body needs. Now, I believe that thought forms um, are so critical to the recovery process that I've been working all week long on the five steps to recovery work, and uh, that's uh, literally ready to be released uh, tomorrow. Uh, we've got all of the uh, recordings, all the meditations. There are th- 34 meditations that are ready to be released uh, that speak to each of the five steps, and all the five steps uh, are directly connected to our thoughts. And there's also the 255-page uh, book now uh, that summarizes all the core ideas and all the meditations that I actually recorded. And I do want to say uh, that I actually, I want to be honest about this, um, I did this work for myself. Uh, it, feel, it felt like this is something that I needed to do, that I was carrying around uh, negative thoughts that were blocking my ability to uh, come into my full power. And I said, look, uh, I think there's got to be a better way. So uh, I started to actually record meditations that uh, I could listen to myself so that I could transform my own thought forms. And uh, that's uh, then segued into being able to record uh, the meditations uh, that are applicable to anybody who has the symptoms of Parkinson's. Um, because they work for me, I know they, uh, they are likely to work for other people. And as we're able to transform our attitudes about our potential for recovery, then that is what will happen, as you know. Uh, I've also discovered in my own personal work uh, with transforming my own uh, thought forms is that it's not easy. It's not a cognitive thing. Um, in, the, in, the pre- in the explanation of five steps to recovery that you'll see here when I release it in the next uh, couple of days, uh, you'll see that all the steps uh, are, are clearly understandable. Uh, in the presentation I give you, uh, you'll, you'll fully see what they are. And in previous teleseminars, I've spent a, a whole a block of time talking about each step. Um, and then uh, I followed up that discussion with uh, doing very separate uh, meditations. So with, with each of the steps, I've got six or seven specific meditations that were done to support and help uh, myself as well as everyone else uh, strengthen that step. So when, when all five steps are, are fully empowered, 
then anything is possible. And yes, full recovery is possible. And here's the rub. Here's the thinking that I've been having uh, over the last several months. The thinking is that healing happens now, that we don't have to uh, muck around and say, well, gee, I've got these uh, these uh, very troubling symptoms, and it took me a long time to get it, so I know it's going to take a long time to heal. And everybody knows that uh, it's not possible for that to happen. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to think, well, wait a minute, is that really true? I'm challenging that uh, belief template. I'm, I'm, I'm labeling that belief template as a negative belief template that doesn't have to be true. Why limit ourselves? Uh, my passion, my mission is to uh, demonstrate through rigorous research that it is possible to recover from the symptoms of Parkinson's. And, and my dream is that full recovery is possible for millions and millions of people. And, and the real issue then turns on what about your thought forms? If you can't transform your thought forms, it's clear to me now that recovery is not possible. If we think we're not going to recover, then we're not going to recover. So the the fundamental step in recovery, as I see it, is in being able to transform thought forms. And given the own personal work I've done, I'm here to tell you it's not easy. You don't just sit down and say, oh, I see the five steps, I get them, I understand them, I'm done. Uh, the fact is that uh, several of those steps, when I really did soul-searching, I was able to recognize that they were true and formidable challenges for myself. I don't mean just Mickey Mouse challenges. I'm talking about big-time challenges uh, that I really had to work through. I mean, I've spent, uh, I've been working on five steps uh, to recovery now for, it's been five months of, um, of talking about it in teleseminars and then writing about it in the book and then uh, recording the meditations and doing the personal work myself. And um, I'm here to tell you that it's uh, it's uh, for for me. Some of the steps were simple and easy to do. I got them got them very quickly. But other steps uh, posed real challenges. So to say, okay, all you have to do is change your thoughts from uh, negative to positive is it's not not is sounds simple, and it sounds like anybody ought to be able to do it. But I can't do it. I wasn't able to do it, and I'm still working on it. So I don't want anybody out there listening to my show today to think, well, I've got it all set, I've got all my thoughts, so they're all pure, and I'm just a positive thinker, and I have no nasty thoughts in my head at all. That's not true. But I am able to recognize when they creep in. I am able to release them immediately, and I'm getting better and better at that with each passing day. And for me, uh, the work on Five Steps to Recovery has transformed my ability to be able to accomplish just that. It's, it's basically cleaned up my thinking. I've recognized that I spend uh, every day uh, countless hours thinking about the same negative thoughts. They just, they just roll around in my brain over and over and over again. It's like a sick virus. And uh, we don't realize it, really, unless we begin to reflect back and realize, oh, that's the same thoughts that I had yesterday, and that's the same thoughts that I had two days ago. And by the way, it's the same thoughts I had a year ago. And by the way, these are the same thoughts I had ten years ago. And then the, reali- the realization that we've been carrying those thoughts for, for decades. So um, it's a way, I think, the work, the five steps of recovery, has been transformative for me personally. It's been a way for me to recognize the uh, the roots of all healing are through our thought forms. And when we can shed ourselves of these negative thoughts, which are 
just as we presented this program in the beginning with, swine flu is about to get you, that's a low-frequency threat, fear kind of a thought, then that takes you into a place where healing is not possible, healing won't happen, and the prediction I make is your symptoms are just going to get worse. So what you want to do is just to recognize, oh, right, that's a fear, and I certainly can tap into that. I can feel that a lot of other people have that fear, but I'm not going to take it on. What I'm going to do is to do something differently. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to uh, treat my body well. I'm going to give my body good food. I'm going to rid my body of candida. And that means once the candida is gone, the defense mechanism that's protecting all the other viruses in my body, all the other bacteria in my body, all the other pathogens in my body is, is going to all of a sudden no longer be present, then I can get rid of everything. My body knows how to heal itself. All I have to do is to give it what it needs in order to be able to do its work. If I'm mucking up my body with the candida and the yeast, my body can't do the work that it needs to do. So that's the work that I've been doing. You'll see an announcement about the Five Steps uh, to Recovery Project soon, which I must say, after looking at the editing of uh, everything that I wrote and listening to the meditations and doing the final editing on those, I think it's... Uh, it's a fine piece of work. Uh, given all the research that I've done in my life, I think it's my best work. And so um, look forward to the presentation of the explanation of Five Steps to, to Recovery uh, to be released here just in the next couple of days. And so that's been my passion here. In addition to doing my Candida diet, I now need to be able to go over and uh, take my five um, probiotic pills and my ADP pills and my crapilic acid, which are my my personal detox program that I'm using to get rid of my candida that, as I said earlier, has, um, has yielded such wonderful and remarkable results. We'll be on the show um, next week, same time, 11 o'clock Pacific time, with another exciting set of guests and another exciting topic. This is Robert Rogers, and that is what is happening at Parkinson's Recovery on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the men are handsome all the women are smart, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day to each of you, and may you now no longer have fear that the swine flu is going to do anything to you. Good day. <laughs>